Talking Teenagers. I'm James Schoen. And I'm James Certin. Conversation, expertise and advice on the world and well-being of our teenagers. Hello and welcome to um, Millie Whitehead, who we have with us today. It's a, an absolute privilege and a pleasure to speak to you, Millie. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Can you tell us a, a little bit uh, about what you do and, and, and why you are such a, a great person for us to be speaking with? Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Ask my children, they might feel differently. Right, well, bit of bit of history. So I, the, I run a volunteering adventure gap year business with my husband, but husband and wife team running a company called The Leap. And we've been doing it for kind of now 18, 20 years now. And it's come in, you know, loads of phases and experiences of what we've been offering, but predominantly team experiences around the world where they kind of volunteer and um, go on adventures. It's all about personal development and, you know, just really kind of building on, you know, the aim is that they come back kind of bigger, brighter and stronger when they've finished their experience. So that, that's what we do. Brilliant. So. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. And so the get the gap your experience. It, can I ask at this stage? Is it something that is very, very sort of pigeonholed for the the sort of middle class, or or do you find that all people uh, are desiring and wanting to go for a gap year? All people, literally from all walks of life. What they do with it depends clearly on the individual and their kind of background and what their peers do. The peer influence is huge with what the next generation kind of aspire to doing. So you're either in trend or you're not, you know, continents, are they in trend or are they not? I mean, literally, they're so fickle, these, these, these gappers. Right. It change so ask, what is in trend at the moment? Well, um, let's kind of talk kind of pre, pre-COVID. What was in trend was the uh, backpacking, um, hostel hopping experience across Asia you know going from full moon party to full moon party which literally filled me with horror I was just like seriously is that what you have you seen a temple have you seen any of the culture or have you just seen the bright lights of some kind of hideous nightclub in Co-PP so that's that was the trend um so actually I I'm delighted with what COVID has done because it's really changed all these this year the gapper of 2020 levers have had to do they can only go on a gap year if they go volunteering or do something educational so by the kind of the laws of leaving this country it's kind of forced them to be responsible travelers and responsible citizens and the trend has really changed and i'm getting kind of you know, emails and texts from people that are just like, oh, you know, Millie, you know, thanks. You you know, you saved my bacon. I'm out here. And actually you were right. I'm loving this volunteering. And I'm like, I told you so. You would get something back from it. For parents out there, that's a, that's a big issue, isn't it? With if their child says, I want to take a gap year. I guess there is there are gap years and there are gap years, aren't there? There are, as you said, there's a let's go around Australia or the Southeast Asia kind of just from party to party. And then there is life enhancing, life kind of changing experiences in a way where you do volunteer or you you really get 
more absorbed in the culture and the local people and, and helping out. I mean, what would you say to parents, you know, faced with a, a child saying, I'm thinking of going on a gap year, what would be the questions you, you'd ask them to ask their teenagers? It is, it's quite complex. It's kind of really weird, but I've got, just kind of using the example of my two, I've got two sons and the, the first son is that, right, I'm really confident, right, I'm really alpha, I can do this, I can do that, I don't need to go on one of your, my parents' programs, I'm just going to do it myself, thanks, I'm going to go to South America with my group of friends and do it. And we thought, yeah, okay, that's fine, you're going to be stretched. So the questions were, are you going to be challenged? Are you going to grow from this? Are Are you going to come back and think, I have learnt I have I have grown and the answer you know we were kind of sitting around like yeah because he doesn't like challenge he doesn't like the unknown he is inflexible he is inflexible he doesn't like swift changes and so his whole gap year was every day he was like I'm not really enjoying this I've arrived in Buenos Aires I don't know where I'm staying I don't know how to get from the airport I don't know what to do with my time during the day. And so Guy and I were sitting back thinking, that's a good enough challenge for him. And he learned to adapt. Whereas, you know, our other son is completely different. And he's just like, I don't want to do that. I just want to go to one place, contribute, give back, do this. What I suppose my point is, is that every child you've got is going to need a different set of challenges and it's making sure that their challenges that they're going to have on their gap year is not going to blow their anxiety out of the water. Yet everyone appreciates and works out how they're going to be nudged and their their edges smoothed and to kind of come back a kind of... And that sounds really good, Millie. And, and do you, um, you know, before advising on a particular gap year, do you interview people or do you get sort of feedback and find out from their school? little bit about them and then steer them in a certain direction yeah we get we do all that and I find that part of it really interesting and we've just set up this thing called leap vip which is where people have a a consultancy with me and and it's really interesting I get parents ringing me saying I know she's called you or little Johnny's called you and he thinks he's got it all completely taped but let me tell you he's actually utterly hopeless so laid back he's going to get his stuff nicked from the airports you know blah, blah 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 and so I kind of steer accordingly and work out you know it comes down to different things like in Costa Rica we do three different programs and they say to me oh, I want to go on the plastic oceans program I'm like okay so tell me a bit about you are you shy do you like people what is it that interests you and we might come to the conclusion that actually no plastic oceans isn't the right fit because that's a big social program you've got to be big and bold to kind of shine in that environment where actually you might be better off on the scuba program or the adventure which is more nurturing which is kinder and you're and so yeah so how many programs do you have around the world during lockdown we actually thought right it gave us time actually to kind of breathe and think right how where do we want to take this business what what actually have we really enjoyed and which partners overseas do we really work well with? So we've just co- totally focused on those partners. 
who do an awesome experience can raise their, everyone's raised their game to make these kind of COVID friendly bubbles extra. We've added extra, really re-scripted it. So the programs we're going to focus on now and going forwards is probably only about eight, but those, those are in Costa Rica, Kenya, Namibia, Cambodia, and the Philippines. That's it. I love the idea that you, you know, that you really explore the character to see what the best thing is for the year out. That's a, I just think that's a fantastic takeaway for parents to think about their child and not so much where they go, but who they're going with and what they're doing and, you know, what's going to, I like the word stretch used earlier, what's going to stretch them without kind of breaking them, if you like. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's really important. And what we've noticed over the last, yeah, okay, we've been doing this for 20 years. And so we've seen the, the use of the telephone and how that has changed, you know, the, the, the communication over the last 20, ter- 20 years has changed dramatically, clearly, as we all know. But that has, you know, and we hear about it in all the schools, you know, put your phone down, put your parents, don't be so reliant on your telephone. But actually what it, what it done from our point of view, which we've seen so clearly, is that the telephone makes the relationship with one parent really, really tight. And breaking that, that, that communication and allowing that child to, to make their own decisions not decisions, but problem solve as an independent human being has been really interesting. So they start off, I'll give you these scenarios. So they start off, you know, I remember this one particular incident, they started off and they flew to Johannesburg. Now Johannesburg Airport, you know, talking to probably many people that have been to Joburg, it's a confusing airport. I mean, you know, I've been, I've got lost in there myself. You follow the yellow road and you follow the yellow road and you end up back where you started. So these, so I would say to these kids, when you arrive, you've got to, got to get to the d- domestic lounge, d- departures. So you're going to follow the yellow brick road. If you get lost, da, da, da. so these kids on the way out would not call me or, or work it out for themselves. They would call their parents, put them on FaceTime and ask their parents to steer them through the airport. And then the parents would be me on the other line going, Johnny is confused. I'm steering him around the airport and I'm like, seriously, cut the tie for little Johnny, get Johnny to actually own the problem and ask somebody in the airport. And that that level of dependency we found really interesting. And then then they'll call us and, and the parent will say, she, 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 you know, could you just tell me what the situation, you know, if they haven't been picked up, no, it was bizarre. They would ring home and complain to home or say, I don't understand this, when the project leader in charge is sitting at the other end of the room, but they don't like to ask. So the communication. It's trying to break that helplessness in a way, isn't it? Or that learn mm-hmm. helplessness for always leaning on a parent. I mean, it's so strikingly different. To, I mean, I, I, on my year out, I think 30 years ago, right? and I didn't speak to my parents at all for six months. I actually came back through the airport terminal kind of, uh, it was a bit legendary in, in my family where I was lost about a stone and a half. My hair was bright blonde and my mum actually didn't even recognise me. Yeah. She hadn't seen a picture of me for six months and it was quite amusing. Whereas my daughter went on gap year last year and um, I have to say, you know, openly, I'm a massive fan of, of gap years and she has come back and 
you know, she, I think the word grown, she really had grown in lots of ways, working with people, confidence, recognizing what's really important. But the great thing from our perspective was she was on a project. She actually was in Costa Rica and um, Ecuador, but she kept coming in and out of signal, you know, so every 10 days to two weeks, we'd be able to just catch up with her and then off she'd go again. And that was wonderful actually, because, you know, you were cut off and she was able to, and I'm not sure to be fair, she's the kind of character that would call us that much anyway, but, you know, it was really healthy for us to be able to just hear from her every couple of weeks, but really nice for her to just be, you know, as you say, you're, you're breaking the ties, aren't you? You're stepping away. It's, about, it's all part of the process of becoming independent. I really feel that going to university on her own, you know, this September made a massive difference having a, a year off in terms of how she approached that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am a fan purely because I kind of, you know, I've got a business that supply, you know, helps the gapper. But from a kind of parental point of view, with my parent holistic hat on, I so see, so see the benefits. Even, even I always say to people, you know, how, how do you, what is the perfect gap year? How do you structure the perfect gap year? And I always say, you know, finish school in the olden days, you know, have a great summer, maybe do a bit of Euro railing, you know, in the olden days. And then, and then really work hard and graft. And there's, that, there's an experience and a growth in that. You know, so from September to Christmas, let's not really focus on what you're doing. I just want you to earn 10 quid, eight to 10 quid an hour. And let's aim for 300 quid a week. You know, let's let's put it on the chart on the kitchen, on the fridge and let's go for it. And if that's stacking shelves in Sainsbury's, babysitting in the evening, making kind of soups for people. And, you know, it, it, no one cares. But it, I always look at people's CVs and think, OK, what did they do in their gap year? And if they did some, you know, impressive internship. Well, yeah, that's one thing. What I'm more impressed with is those teenagers that have rolled up their sleeves and they've got really dirty working in factories, you know, clean, you know, working with the bins, you know, doing just really grafting jobs and just, just, I don't know, just, I think it shows great character to do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Millie, can I ask about, you know, thinking again about the class thing and, and that it's open to each and every person, are there certain gap years that we would say are more available to the wider market than others well you're looking at so there's the gap year which is taking a gap year it's just a stage of time and how they fill that gap year is completely up to the individual so that's right but i'm but i'm thinking about you know let's say again it's the same model you work up till christmas you make your your three or four thousand pounds or whatever do you have certain gap years that would be more available to the mass market as it were we are not a mass market no so if a mass if if somebody wanted a gap to to fill their gap year with kind of mass market just traveling they just in the they just book a flight end up in a country and off they go or they you know there are some people that book a ski season off they go the leap and you know I, you know there's a lot of kind of bespoke programs that people can buy to fill their time so i don't know so what james your your daughter she went to costa rica and ecuador so was that that was an unorganized program 
it was an organised programme and I can't for the life well, of me. Clearly it wasn't me, but, James. Um, but, <laughs> yes, it wasn't, I'm afraid. Um, I have to say, she, we, we were really um, interested that, you know, she came back and she said the diversity of, um, you know, backgrounds and people and it's, to a certain degree ages, I think it was sort of from 18 to 22 or 23. And, you know, there were um, people who had disabilities uh, on it and people who had never stepped outside of the UK before. So it was it was really good for her and really it was a very diverse group. And I, one thing that we did actually that, that I really would recommend to parents is if you're going to book on a group like that, do feel free to ask questions about gender, age groups, you know, just get a sense of, you know, are we, am I just going to be packed on to some sort of 18-year-old, you know, kind of boys trip or, or am I doing something slightly is there a diversity on offer there and I and I don't know whether she lucked out certainly her group leader said they were a particularly great group in terms of cohesion but that diversity is so important I think I agree I think diversity sounds like the thing rather than that sort of homogeny and there's just all the same sorts of people but actually this time rather than being in London they're in Costa Rica do you know what I mean well, there's a lot in Costa Rica right now, but that's because there's there's a limit to where they can go. I think there's only four countries in the whole of the world they can go. Conversations are very quick. They ring in saying, I really want to go to Australia and New Zealand. I'm like, hmm, have you been watching the news? Don't think you're going. Anyway. I mean, I, I would echo, I really echo what you said about working there. I, I think a lot of people do forget that, certainly the, 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 the children or the students are going on it, that that sort of kind of August to, to December shift and having to work. And I, you know, we said to, to our daughter, you can go, we're very happy, but you know, you are earning the money to do it. That's part of the deal. And to be fair, she really did work very hard. And in a way it was quite good. Again, you're, you're working with a very wide variety of different people. You're learning to have to get up and grind and you're learning to see how boring some work can be. And um, it makes the jump from actually doing that to going on the trip itself so much bigger as well. The jump is and much wider. And really satisfying because yeah, they, they've earned, earned it. it. They've earned it. And, you know, and then they then they, they can really equate. I remember our eldest saying, God, well, I, I, I thought, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to do that. That's, that equates to five hours of work. No, no, no. You're only there once. Go and do that zip wire. For God's sake, just get on with it. <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, we have been kind of relentlessly positive about gap years. Presumably you do have occasions where somebody goes on a trip and, and they're really not coping Yeah, with and it that's or... very sad, actually. And there's always a great, there's always a deeper background story and which we we get involved with to unravel and see how we can help and steer. And so you do get a, a, a an insight. I mean, you, you both have been you know, housemasters, Guy and I have often said it, our job often is similar to that of a housemaster and housemistress, you know, dealing with these family issues, you know, from simple things to, you know, dealing with with serious psychological problems, um, eating disorder, you know, you've come, we've come across it all, major accidents, having to, you know, deliver that news to parents and death in the family while the kid is away, you know, yeah. How do you kind of judge what's best for the community and the individual? So say you've got somebody who wants to go on it, but there is a background of some psychological problems or some difficulties. Do you ever say, look, we don't think this is right? Or, or do you, you know, how do you work that? Because I guess it, it has a, a very big impact on a whole it, it community. It has a huge impact. And there's nothing more frustrating 
when parents are not honest with us. And we've had many a moment where the family has not been honest with us. And then we put that child at risk, the rest of the team at risk. And it's and it, it can be very frightening. And we've, and we've had to only a couple of times, but yeah, it's collaborative. Nobody wants to say no. Nobody, nobody's after just a quick fix of saying, no, I'm not interested. No, it's, it's like, okay, what, what, what are the problems? What are the, the challenges here? And let's get you in the best environment with the best group leaders overseas. You know, our, our programs, and I'm sure, you know, and there's a lot of programs like ours out there that have amazing group leaders. You know, th- th- they love what they do. They love their projects. They love these teams. And they, they will bend over backwards. To, to send them back a stronger person. But having the backstory and working as a group is really collaborative before everybody knows is really important. Do you have a view on, um, on going out with friends or do you encourage people to maybe at this stage to actually say, no, I, I think it's better that you go on your own and you learn to make new friendships? Yeah, really interesting. And that comes right back to the beginning. Actually looking at the individual and saying, okay, what level of challenge do you want? So going out with a friend independently backpacking across South America is challenging in itself. You know, that's not easy. Going with a group of friends around Asia, that's pretty easy. But going independently traveling by yourself, I wouldn't recommend at all. But going on a group program very easy to do by yourself. Most people do do it by themselves. And that's part of the challenge of arriving at the airport, looking at everybody thinking, this is like the first day of school, here we go. But then they get on with it. But again, my point is, it's like, that's a kind of the original kitchen table chat before they make a plan. I was gonna say, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, my daughter said, you know, when you get to uni, and not in a judgmental way at all, but just as she said, you can actually tell quite quickly whether somebody's had a gap year or not. Just, you know, not, not in terms of like likability or anything like that. She just said you can just tell they're just that tiny bit more independent in terms of how they think and deal with things. And I guess that's that's one of the great things about a gap year if it's done well, isn't it? Is that, you know, the, the, the staging of letting go and then becoming sort of, um, you know, independent. It's a, it's a lovely stepping stone, I think. But I don't think, you know, there, there can be anything bad about a gap year. Yeah, a bad gap year is having somebody sitting on your sofa on a PlayStation for a year. That's a bad gap year. But, you know, the, the gap years that these kids are having now, you know, where they, they planned a ski season or they planned to do this and it's all, you know, with COVID come crashing around their ears. That's still teaching them something. They're still learning to adapt, to be flexible and dust themselves down and... Oh, they all—they are a bit kind of battle weary. I mean, aren't we all? But you know, they'll—they'll they'll reflect on that and think, okay, well, my gap year, I did have all the plans, but in the end, I could only do this. But actually, I, I mean, I just want to endorse that word adaptability, um, and it's just so valuable, isn't it? And through this crisis, it really is teaching them. It's teaching us all just to be slightly lighter on our feet, isn't it? We literally, with our gap year planning at the moment, these kids move on and they they believe. I'm just like, you know, hold that belief. 
you know, just just don't let anybody tell you you're not going. Don't look, don't watch the news. Don't listen to Pretty Patel. She just, just just don't do it. Just believe you're going to Costa Rica in two weeks' time. And they don't believe it. Then I ring up. Well, you know, they've booked, you know, months ahead. And then a month before only do we start doing the admin. And they're like, are we definitely going? I'm like, yeah, you're definitely going. And then today, for example, you know, we've got a whole group out. And they did not believe they were going until they got on the plane this morning. Learning to hold your nerve. That's a good. That's a good way in which to end, Millie. Holding your nerve, your gap year and stuff. Thanks so much for your time and for your advice and for your experience. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Millie. You've been listening to Talking Teenagers. Music has been by Rue Paynes. Editing by George Purvis and James Certin. For more information about I Can and I Am Charity provide presentations and resources and help build self-confidence in young people visit their website at icaniam.com be your soul